Hello, Natural United community. I am here with Devin Smith, who is the founder of Glass Healthful, an organization dedicated to helping you find your holistic health solutions. But beyond that, she's also a yoga teacher and a super, super informed nutritionist. And so, Devin, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Patrick. I'm really excited to be on here. I absolutely love what you guys are doing at Natural. So it really is my honor to get to visit your podcast. Ours thank as well. You for Ours as me. well. And so <laughs> I guess I would like to start this off with asking you, what are a few small changes that someone could make that could make them feel a lot better from the day to day? Yeah, definitely. Great question. Um, there's definitely a few small things. I, I, I guess I want to start off by saying that we often focus on the wrong things in America. Right. So when we think about health, we think about, you know, an hour sweating at the gym and, you know, you've got to have your, your lean protein and all of these things that are just off the mark. So when we think about health, or at least when I think about health and really healing from the inside out, I think about simplicity. So I think about incorporating more fruits and vegetables into your diet. And specifically in regards to that, I think about eating all of the colors of the rainbow because every color of the rainbow actually has different phytonutrients and antioxidants and Hmm. all of these things that will heal us. So the first thing, definitely fruits and vegetables, eat the rainbow kids. (laughs) Uh, The second, the second thing is move your body, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be in a way that you hate. Yeah, You know, in fact, I would recommend not doing something you hate. I would recommend going on a walk while listening to this podcast. Right. I would recommend, you know, dancing in your room. So, you know, get your body moving in a way that actually makes you smile. Um, And the third that I think might actually be the most important out of all of these is spend time with people that you love. That's it. Uh, You know, we all need more social connection in our lives. And funny enough, actually, earlier today, I posted on my Instagram this post about all of the scientific research that is showing that having loving social connections in your life is just as important as not smoking or, you know, as eating a healthy diet. So, yeah, I would say eat the rainbow, move your body and love people. Yeah, those are three pretty good (laughs) principles. And Something that I've noticed in my own life is that, you know, you obviously hear that you want to eat fruits and vegetables, but hearing that eating all colors is interesting to me, only in that it makes me curious what effect yeah. each of like these fruits and vegetables that I eat have. I mean, and we're not necessarily seeking yeah. out individual colors, but that might be an interesting way to sort of be an alchemist with my own body. Um, and then yeah. what you're saying about exercise made a lot of sense to me because so many people have these small time frames throughout their day where they're filling it with nothing. They're swiping through their phone and maybe even, (laughs) you know, let's say push-ups or sit-ups or something that you can do short, like you said, dancing. Um, Yeah. It doesn't have to be an intense hour at the gym. If you split it up throughout the day, it honestly makes it a lot more manageable and interesting and you can kind of switch things up more. Um, And then, you know, the social interaction thing is crazy for me to hear because I feel like, as, as much knowledge as we have about our brains and neurochemistry, we're still sort of very in the dark about, you know, a lot of the lifestyle changes and the effects that it will have on us. But it does seem like the research is pretty clear that people who do not have close relationships, who sort of hold themselves off from the rest of the community of Earth, sort of 
struggle and die a lot earlier and people with really strong family connections tend to live to their 80s and 90s so long as they don't have any health problems along the way so i'd say those are three great principles hello Devin. how is life (laughs) patrick life is awesome (laughs) so for those of you listening if you're wondering why this is going to be so choppy i am currently driving through new mexico which apparently does not have the best cell phone reception as i've come to find out Devin has been very nice about recording this continuously despite that. It's my pleasure, Patrick. It's been great. The question that I was going to ask before we were so rudely interrupted by bad cell coverage was, what is one change that you've made recently that you have seen pay dividends in your life that's made you feel better or has really improved your state of being? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, it's funny that you asked this because... I personally was listening to a podcast about this exact thing yesterday and it hit the nail on the head. So I think the biggest change that I've implemented this summer has been just to kind of surrender. So I am someone who maybe unsurprisingly with my love for nutrition has a long past of eating disorders. And so my mind naturally can become very, very obsessive around you know, fitness, nutrition, whatever. And it wasn't until this summer that I, I don't want to say I stopped caring because it's almost the opposite. You know, I'm, I'm now a health coach, but I have just kind of let go a little bit. And instead of thinking of, you know, having to punish myself, let's say I eat a piece of cheesecake or something, and then I feel like I have to go on a run or, or something like that, or hating every second at the gym, I just do things that I know will make me feel good and to hell with the rest of it. Yeah, I've always felt that Um, way about diet. Like, I think as much as I like purging and, like, eating disgusting food that's terrible for you, uh, I remember my aunt saying to me one time, usually the way I decide what to eat is I think of what it would make me feel like after, not as much what it would taste like, and that has made my life much easier. Yes, your aunt is very, very wise, Patrick. That is exactly what I believe. (laughs) And so when you're kind of putting together what you eat, are you methodical about it or for your clients as well? Or do you kind of string together a general consensus over what it should look like, but you can sort of decide on the fly if you're at a restaurant, or do you try to stay as close as you can to a regimen? Yeah, well, so I guess for now I will maybe put aside what I eat, but in general with my clients, or even when I'm talking to friends and family, trying to help them find a healthier lifestyle, I very, very strongly believe in what my nutrition school calls bio-individuality. So we believe that, you know, in the same way that everyone has a different personality and different characteristics, we all digest foods differently and we all thrive off different foods. And that is okay. So that's why I'm not super into the diet world, especially the bad diet world. I am into finding whatever works for you as an individual. However, with that said, I still do believe very strongly in science and evidence-based nutrition. So that is what I uh, completely do in my own coaching practice. So um, actually, I'd like to very quickly mention a book that completely changed my perspective around food i read it this summer and yeah anyone listening to this should read it it is called the blue zones 
So for anyone who doesn't know, a blue zone is an area in the world that has the highest number of centenarians. That means someone who lives to 100 or above. And there are five blue zones currently located in the world. So there's one in Costa Rica, one in Italy, one in Greece, one in Japan, and one in Southern California. And in this book, this author who works for National Geographic went with a large team of scientists to each of these locations. And they were wondering, what the heck are these people doing to make them live so long? You know, is it in their social connections? Is it in their food? Is it in their workouts? And so they go through both anecdotally, you know, speaking to these senior citizens, but also scientifically really analyzing what is going on in their lifestyles. And uh, this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. They all live very simple lives. It's not as complicated as we think. But when it comes to food, um, all five zones are predominantly plant-based. So they eat very little animal products, and they eat mostly fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, legumes, that kind of thing. So, what is your perspective yeah. on in taking animal products? Like, what do you practice, or what do you recommend to people that you're working with? Yeah, so I am personally vegan, um, and I recognize that that does not work for everyone, and that is absolutely okay, but I have definitely found through both the research and with my own coaching of people, um, health improves the less animal protein you eat. So let's say you want to have, you know, steak for dinner with a side of asparagus you should try to invert that. So you're having asparagus for dinner with a side steak. <laughs> so I know that sounds silly, but even, you know, if you're having, um, you know, yogurt with berries, maybe instead you should have berries with some yogurt dolloped on top. Yeah, yeah. I see what you so, mean, kind of changing the yeah. proportion and the priority and slowly weeding definitely. yourself off of it. And I've been vegan for time definitely. periods and I can definitely attest I've never had more energy in my life. Um, yeah, me too. Exactly. And I kind of heard you talking a bit about the like empirical data or like the science behind nutrition. And like, my question yeah. is because I haven't really looked into that very extensively. I don't know how well developed like the scientific research is behind the effects of every type of different food because, you know, I hear coffee is good for you. And then the next month I hear it's bad for you from a different person based on a different study. So, how, how well developed would you say the human understanding of our bodies and of nutrition is? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I would say don't listen to the media when you get your quote-unquote scientific information because these days, so the way that the nutrition world works is there are constantly new waves of information that are being released very strategically. So keep in mind that the, the quote-unquote scientific information that the public gets are all based on subsidies that are going towards things like animal agriculture. So that is a huge thing to keep in mind. But um, when you actually look at the hardcore empirical uh, you know, research that is out there, pretty much every single study points to a whole foods plant-based diet. So whole foods meaning, you know, not processed, not packaged. You are eating as close to nature as possible. 
So um, the the biggest study actually that has been done in this regard is called the China study. Mm-hmm. So there's a doctor, his name is Dr. Colin Campbell. And this was a study done in, oh, I want to say the late 90s. And uh, China was the perfect place to do this study because, you know, they all have a very similar culture in China, but each of the villages, depending on where they live and maybe their subcultures, they eat very different foods. And so they were able to look at all of China and see the trends going on with people that ate higher animal protein diets and then people that ate less animal protein diets. And they saw such a strong link between animal food and cancer. So they said in every increment, no matter how small the increment was that you increased your intake of animal foods, your risk for cancer doubled or tripled by that correlational amount. How are we doing? <laughs> good. So good. This, this is now the third segment of the podcast, which is unintentional. We could have done the entire thing at one time, but as we mentioned earlier, New Mexico doesn't have quite the cell service. Uh, but at the same time, it's super cool, and we really enjoyed our time out here. But we were about to start talking about the China study. So why don't you tell people a little bit more about what you've learned and uh, kind of how that changed how you live? Definitely. So the China study to this date is the most comprehensive study ever done on the connection between diet and disease. So it was conducted by Dr. Colin Campbell from Cornell University. I believe it was either late 90s or early 2000s. And the reason they chose China to do the study in is because China, while an entire country of one people, has many different kinds of villages and therefore very different kinds of diets, you know, based on landscape and subculture and all of that. So anyway, um, they go in and they do this study trying to find the links between different diets and different diseases. And they find a very strong direct link between intake of animal protein, so, you know, meat, eggs, dairy, and cancer. So they saw in direct proportion to how much certain villages ate these animal proteins, they had that direct link to their, I guess, prevalence of cancer. And the same goes for cardiovascular disease. So, you know, heart attacks and hypertension, you know, um, high blood pressure, all of that direct correlation with animal protein intake. So the China study really shook up the nutrition world because people were saying, what the heck? I thought we were all doing this, you know, lean protein and some vegetables on the side diet. You know, we're trying to get ripped. We're trying to be fit. What is going on? And this study pretty much just held up a giant middle finger and said, I don't know, man, these are just, these are the results. So anyway, there are plenty of studies like that now um, where they're finding the links between increased intake of animal protein and various diseases. I mean, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, cancer, the list goes on. It's kind of terrifying. Interesting. And so, yeah. do you know if there was any significance, uh, were there cultures where they already were vegan or um, where they could kind of have like a control group if you weren't eating meat? 
Well, as I mentioned earlier, there are those five blue zones. So this was not in China. So in China, well, are you asking specifically about the China study or just to compare it to in general? Either way, is there something that we can compare it to so that it's comparing a vegan diet to an extensively meat-heavy diet? Definitely. So within the China study, there were villages that ate absolutely no animal products whatsoever, and they had virtually zero cancer or cardiovascular disease. So when they compared that to the other villages, they said, holy cow, <laughs> I mean, holy kale. Right. <laughs> um, so, so that's one example. And then, as we mentioned earlier, the blue zones, you know, the five areas where they have the longest living people, and they were pretty much all vegetarian, some were pescatarian, but um, yeah, so very little animal protein. That's intriguing to hear because I know when people were foragers tens of thousands of years ago, they kind of found yeah. similar links between our ancestors in the sense that, you know, many of them didn't really have access to meat. Um, you know, before we figured out how salt worked, it was really hard to, to store meat. You know, we have organs that we don't really use that were used to kind of like yeah. decompose raw meat. It's just crazy thinking back about sort of how we got to where we are now. But uh, mm -hmm. do you recommend to each of their clients, to your clients, that they entirely cut meat out or... Uh, kind of gradually move away from it? Um, or do you kind of give them autonomy to decide whether or not that's something that they're interested in doing? Yeah, so it's definitely up to the individual client. So the things that I would always recommend are the ones that I mentioned earlier, you know, intake your, or increase your intake of fruits and vegetables, you know, eat the whole rainbow, move your body, things like that. Eat, you know, less processed foods. But then when it comes to animal protein, you know, I'll be very honest with them about the research because I feel that that is my job. Um, but, you know, if they do not see themselves going vegetarian, that's okay. You know, we will, we will find the healthiest diet and individual lifestyle for every mm -hmm. single client. Hey, Devin. So now that I am no longer in New Mexico, as it turns out, the reception is a lot cleaner. Perfect. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, we left off on the China study, and I was about to ask you, what are some of the tangible changes that you've seen in your own life as a result of some of the health adjustments that you've made and mentioned? Yeah, so there have been a plethora of changes. Uh, many of them were quite pleasant surprises, if you ask me. <laughs> so first of all, I know in this world of you know, obesity and diabetes and all these horrible ailments, people are often looking to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Well, I've got the solution for you. It's called veganism. So um, one thing is weight loss, not like losing muscle. That's a fear people have. It's quite the opposite. I feel stronger, leaner, more energetic, um, healthier, happier now than I ever have. Mm -hmm. And I have, I mean, quicker recoveries after difficult workouts. Um, one thing that's really interesting, actually, I find that I require less sleep. Hmm. My body, yeah, it's odd. It's like my body is so clean and, and free of toxins that I do not need as much rest. Right. I can just keep going. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that there are chemicals in meat that cause you to be tired. So that would make yes. sense. Yes, very much so. It's the classic, you know, um, after you have your big Thanksgiving turkey and everyone just wants to sleep, 
mm-hmm. I don't have that. <laughs> right. And so you had mentioned that, you know, you obviously have not always been vegan. So are you the only vegan person that is a member of your family? Not anymore, actually. Um, So I went vegan four years ago, and my entire family thought that I had three heads. Everyone thought I was completely cuckoo. Uh, But through the years of me educating them on what I'm learning, both in nutrition school, but also in my own personal research, Hmm. and then also showing my personal transformations, both of my parents have gone vegan. Wow, that's amazing. And yeah. definitely a lesson to a lot of people who are the only vegan person in their family is that if you can express it in the right way, you might be able to get everyone else in your family to at least try yes, it. Totally. And and that was also a hard lesson learned that you actually get better results from other people when you stop doing the whole preachy thing. I mean, no one likes that. I hate no. that. <laughs> so um, when you don't do that and you just, you know, are the personal example for them, then things change. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they could see that you felt better and had more energy than you used to. So it's sort of tangible yeah, for them. Definitely. So they're loving it. They both feel great. And uh, my dad is like huge into the workout world every single day at 530 a.m. He gets up, does a whole hour of very intense training in our home gym. Hmm. My mom and I do personal training together. Both are in incredible shape. They feel amazing. Um, no more aches and pains. My dad has had chronic shoulder pain because he was a double black belt in karate school. And just from different things in that area, he's had a lot of shoulder aches and pains and they completely went away when he went vegan. Hmm, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's very easily just because there's no inflammation in the body anymore. So a lot of animal proteins are highly inflammatory mainly meat and dairy right so when you take that out you just feel all lubricated and jazzed up (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I've heard people who kind of take it as a slow transition so maybe what they'll start as is they'll say okay I'm not going to eat steak you know and then from there they'll be like okay I'm not going to drink milk or at least I'll switch to almond milk and then from there they say all right let's try and take cheese out and you know it's one after the next rather than having to jump into it you can kind of take it gradually Totally, totally. And if you don't end up going, you know, all the way to veganism, that is totally okay. It's all about finding what works for you, for your body, for your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, And ultimately, just as your aunt always told you, you know, just eat things that you know will make you feel good. Yeah, precisely. And is there something that you're doing to document the food that you eat or like the nutrients that you intake? Well, I guess at this point in my journey, I don't really have to document anything I'm just so aware of kind of the different vitamins and nutrients that I'm consuming Mm -hmm. Um, but for people that are starting out there is an incredible app actually it's called chronometer okay you can input everything you eat and it tells you you know this is how much b12 you got and protein and calcium and iron so for people that are afraid of certain nutrient deficiencies going on a vegan diet which by the way you don't have to be afraid of but if you are um that'll show you you are totally good to go yeah like i remember eating a bunch of chia seeds to replace amino acids and thinking man this is really intricate and sophisticated so i think an app like that would have made my time a lot easier definitely definitely where where are you finding all of this information so you've expressed that it's important to eat every end of the 
uh, spectrum when it comes to color and food. Um, you've talked about the China study. What, uh, what method for seeking out information has helped you learn all of this newfound uh, scientific knowledge? Yeah, great question. So um, first of all, as I've mentioned, I am currently in nutrition school. It's called the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. But on top of that, I am a total uh, nerd. So <laughs> I read books all the time Me by too. all different kinds of doctors and nutritionists. Um, but I also have found a lot of people online that I find to have valid information. So they're not just, you know, some random YouTuber or Instagrammer that says, hey, I'm trying this diet this week. These are people that um, have really gone through all of their trials and tribulations and have shared it and they have research to back them up. So there are quite a few people that I look up to mm -hmm. in kind of the health and wellness world. And so every day I'm learning new things and it's amazing. Who are a few of those people? Well, okay. So... I would say, especially this summer, um, I have become very, very obsessed with someone known as the medical medium. So um, this man, he goes by the medical medium. That's obviously not his real name, but he is absolutely incredible. So his story, when he was six years old, he was sitting at the dinner table with his parents, his, his grandma, maybe some siblings. And in the middle of dinner, he heard a voice whisper in his ear, and it said, go tell your grandmother that she has cancer. And, you know, he was this petrified six-year-old, and he's like, what the heck? And he hears the voice again, and, and they said, no, seriously, go put your hand on your grandmother's chest and pronounce, Grandma, you have cancer. And so he did. He went over, and he said that. And his parents were saying, what the heck are you doing, kid? You know, get over there. And um, they took her to the hospital because they were terrified, you know, just to check. And she had lung cancer. <laughs> and so fast forward to today. I mean, he's now somewhere in his middle age. I'm not sure exactly what decade, but he has um, diagnosed and healed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So there are, there's certain information that he receives from this voice. He calls it spirit and it's information that science hasn't yet picked up on. Mm -hmm. So he re-diagnoses a lot of people that have actually been misdiagnosed in kind of the, the Western medicine world. Yeah. And um, he has all of these different tips and tricks to heal people and I mean, he has healed people from everything from, you know, diabetes to cancer to um, severe cardiovascular disease, whatever it may be. Yeah. He is sending out these tips. So he is all about veganism. So <laughs> um, if he has prevented the death of these thousands of people, mm -hmm. I feel like that would be concluded as scientifically proven. Now, maybe like the justification for that voice might not have a perfect explanation scientifically, but it seems to me that he's objectively caused a lot of good change. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, regardless so, of the past precedent of that existing. Right. So it's one of those things, you know, even if someone is skeptical about his method, which I completely understand, you just have to look at, at the facts. You know, mm -hmm. he has helped so many people. So um, he is definitely one of the people that I look up to 
Uh, another one that I would love to mention, she goes by Fully Raw Christina, and she is actually a raw vegan. So hmm. a raw vegan is someone who eats raw, uncooked fruits, nuts, seeds, and vegetables, and that's it. Hmm. And It's ironic yeah. because this is completely unintentional, but that's pretty much all that I eat. Oh, my gosh. I support that. <laughs> Go I did you. not know that there was a classification for it, mostly out of my own personal taste. but Yes. Well, no, look it up and look her up. Fully Raw Christina. Hmm. Uh, she has now been a raw vegan for just about 14 years. So in that 14 years, she has not had, you know, a single cooked food, definitely nothing that was not vegan. Um, and she's amazing. She, all of these people have amazing stories, but when she was, I think 16 or 18, she was diagnosed with severe hypertension Okay. and, um, sorry, not hypertension, hyperglycemia, okay. that up. hyperglycemia, which means, um, you know, elevated blood glucose. Right. And she was not digesting her food properly. So she was completely emaciated. So undernourished because her body could not intake the nutrients that she was trying to feed it. Right. So pretty much she would eat something and just spit out and that was it. And so she got to a point in her life. She was pretty much contemplating suicide. She thought if this is what life is, I don't want to keep living it. And one day after a trip to the hospital, um, she decided to go to Whole Foods snacks or whatever and while she's in the middle of a whole foods aisle this man turns to her and he said excuse me are you a raw foodie and she said am i a am i a what (laughs) and he said are you a raw foodie (laughs) and fast forward it turned into this multi-hour long conversation about how he had been a raw vegan for i think it was like i don't know 13 years or something and all of the benefits and the science behind it and all of this stuff. And she was at such a low, desperate point mm-hmm. in her life that she actually said, you know what? I'm so desperate. I'm going to try it. What do I do? And so he sent her home with a carton of peaches. And he said, you will eat only raw, uncooked peaches for the next couple of weeks. And she was like, okay, that sounds psycho, but I'm going to do it. And just by eating these raw healing foods, her hyperglycemia started reversing in in that first couple Hmm. of weeks. She was gaining weight. She had more energy. Her migraine stopped. She wasn't vomiting. And um, so she truly went raw vegan overnight, never came back. She completely reversed all of her type 2 diabetes, her hyperglycemia. She looks beautiful and voluptuous and she's just incredible and i think that there's something to be said about the classic american diet having an incredibly negative effect on the way that you feel and the the day by day of being a human being yeah um it kind of does change your neurochemistry um especially when you think back to let's say like foragers ten thousand years ago who just ate fruits and nuts they ate pretty much a raw diet before cooking was common amongst humans and so that's sort right. of, in my view, our history, or at least what our species is accustomed to. And so, you know, all of the different chemicals that are in our food, whether as a result of GMOs or whatever, the reasoning behind why they're there, 
um, I think it's really important to acknowledge that most of the trends that are common in America, especially one of the um, nations plagued with obesity the most, are not only unorganic, but relatively new in the grand scheme of the human story. And um, it's crazy mm -hmm. to hear the peach story only in that I can never yeah. imagine fully committing that to myself, but I also am slightly curious of what it would feel like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this summer I have pretty much given it a mm -hmm. shot. There's another offset of raw veganism called raw till four. So pretty much you try eating, you know, a raw vegan breakfast and lunch. And then for dinner, you can still have your, you know, lentil soup with veggies or mm -hmm. whatever it is. And uh, my mom and I mainly have been trying that this summer, and we feel absolutely amazing. <laughs> it has transformed That's my life. wonderful to hear. And I think, you know, to anyone listening who's maybe considered trying out something that's beyond normal or not something that your friends are accustomed to, I think it's really eye-opening to me just how many different ways there are to try and make yourself feel better. And um, it seems yeah. that gradual change is a lot more uh, manageable. But at the same time, in the last story that you told, she pretty much went cold turkey from everything that wasn't a part of that diet. And so th there are two ways right. to go about it. Definitely. And, and one little tidbit that I'd love to throw mm -hmm. out there. So, you know, in this era that we're living in where we have, you know, obesity and diabetes and Alzheimer's and cancer and all of these horrible ailments on every corner, um, we often get into the mindset that, oh, you know, these diseases just happen. You know, Alzheimer's is inevitable as you age, you know, your mind, your mind's abilities decrease or, you know, diabetes runs in my family. I'm probably going to get that. My parents had you know, heart bypasses, that'll be me too. And that's completely mm -hmm. false. Yeah. So our genes are not our destiny. And that's what I love about food. The food that we eat actually alters our genetic material. Mm -hmm. So you can change your destiny based on the way you take care of yourself. And that's what I think is so incredibly powerful and healing about a healthy well, lifestyle. Well, that was an absolutely perfect spot to leave on. Um, this was Devin Smith from Glass Healthful. Thank you, Devin, so much. This was enlightening to me. And now I have a few books added to my Amazon uh, cart that I'm going to have to run through. But uh, it was really insightful to hear from you. And I think your willingness to be open and vulnerable and express your story has been, I know, helpful to me. And I'm really excited for more people to hear about it. Thank you so much, Devin. Oh, that means a lot, Patrick. Thank you for having me on.